I'm not the house of cards that falls down easily Ooh, I'm strong enough to handle what you throw at me Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta-Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? The intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show, after several hundred interviews, the format is this. Intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me and now with our network of podcasters. Just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every second. Hey everyone, Kristen Sinatra Walker here, and we are doing a behind the scenes of MHNR Network. We've got two of our pod, well, three if you count me, but <laughs> I'd much rather promote them. We've got Johnny Calloway that does Morph into a New You. Hey, Johnny. Hey, Kristen. Thanks for having me here. And Thanks we've for got- doing what you do. Oh, thank well, thank you. Uh, we've got Michael Koch, who, thank God I said that last name correctly this time, that does you positive connection. <laughs> Is it what? It's actually Cook. It's Cook. Jeez, why Cook, do I, yeah. every single, oh, anyway, everybody knows I have this issue with names, whatever. It's part of my charm, right? Yes. Um, so anyway, Michael Cook, even though, and you, you know what, Michael, you need to remember about changing the spelling of your name in your emails because they still say Michelle. You know what? You know, maybe that's my stage name. <laughs> I, I actually looked in the settings and I don't know what the heck's going on. I'm not really computer literate. So. I'll get on a I'll get on a go okay. with you and we'll figure it out together. Cause it I notice when I'm sending you guess or information um my, my office will send them to and type in hi Michelle and I'm like no that's not his well, it's it's M I C H E L so yeah. Yeah. There's a long story behind that. I can't put blame on anybody but myself. <laughs> okay. Well, you do Positive Connections Radio. And so thank you for being a part of the network and doing what you do. You bet. You're here representing the first responders of the world. So Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Oh, for sure. Great. Thank you. <laughs> so Johnny, your show, uh, for anyone that's watching, uh, your show is about a lot of different things. And I, I love what it's about, the uniqueness of it. So go ahead and give us a quick synop synopsis of what Morph into a New You is about. Morph into a New You is pretty much what the title says. It's about becoming, it's actually not a new you. It's about remembering you, the, the you that you've always been and just denied. So, uh, but it's about becoming, it's about remembering who we are. And the tagline, uh, which I love, is uh, if you want to change your life, you got to change your mind about your life. And my the premise of everything I do is uh, I'm a certified thought coach. And the premise of everything I do is about helping people change their thoughts so they can change their life. Because 
my belief is, based on my Course in Miracles training, is that our thoughts create our life. And most of the time, most people don't even realize what they're thinking, and they just let their minds run amok and don't realize that their thoughts are creating the chaos they live in. So um, by becoming aware of our thoughts, we can become more self-empowered and be more the master of our own life. And that's what we do on more. And you are, you know, you've written so many amazing books. Um, one of, I've read them all now at this point, even the one that's about to come out, which I know you've made changes to, but um, Dragons to Butterflies, Metaphor, Metamorphosis of a Man uh, is such a great book. And it talks about your whole story um, with addiction. So you have that, um, that backstory in common with Michael um, doing Positive Connections. So Michael, tell our, our viewers and our listeners what, uh, what your show is about. Yeah, I, I love what Johnny just said too about being present and mindful and, um, and our thoughts create our, our actions and our world. Uh, positive connections, I was a cop for 19 years and I spent the last 10 years of undercover narcotics detective and I got into addiction, I lost a lot and I found recovery. And my show is to find the ethical, good, solid, places out there and people out there around the country and around the world eventually that are good outlets for people seeking help that are first responders that might be caught in the same kind of situation that I was and I was unable to stand up and say, I've got an issue, I need some help because putting yourself at a, at a higher standard at a different level, being a police officer or a first responder, you're there to help other people. And a lot of us aren't willing to say that we need help ourselves. So my goal is to break the stigma and get people on the show that will um, talk about their problems, talk about their recovery. I'm open about my recovery and what has worked for me. And there is a way out and to find some confidential and safe environment for first responders to turn to without fear of any kind of retribution or uh, the perceived stigma usually within themselves about what other people think about them. Because we need to be out there and we need to be safe and we need to be healthy when, um, when we're helping other people. And we got to make sure that we help ourselves first. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I know right now, I mean, you're in San Diego. So what kind of, uh, what kind of, things are you seeing going on being not far from where all of the wildfires have been going on? I mean, many of my friends live out in that direction. I know that's way north of you, but there's got to be a lot of dialogue going on around um, what first responders are dealing with out there in California. Well, there is. And more and more, there are organizations, peer support groups are getting stronger and stronger, uh, especially in um, Southern California. And uh, a lot of therapists are stepping up and learning more about the culture of first responders and firefighters. In fact, uh, peer support groups up here are um, actually going to the scenes of these um, uh, tragic events and actually setting up peer support groups where they don't have to go to an office building, they don't have to travel, they're actually on the scene. So when these firefighters um, are fighting fires and they're, they're dealing with things for long hours at a time and they just need a break. A lot of them go to their camps and, you know, they might sleep for a couple hours and they're back off uh, doing what they were doing before and the stress and 
the adrenaline dump that they get at the end of that shift, uh, it's really wearing on the body. So yeah. what the peer support groups are actually doing and, um, and the therapists are actually setting up camp um, near where they're setting up camp and they're, they're open doors and they're able to walk in and if they have any kind of issues, if they have any kind of emotional issues, they're worried about their family, they don't need to make phone calls and they can talk to people and at least get it off their chest and know that there's people there um, just waiting for them to help. All they have to do is walk into the tent. That's phenomenal. And I know that that wasn't there. You know, that hasn't been there in the past. So the awareness around that is really changing. And we've got uh, three shows now on the network that are straight up first responder, you know, topics. Um, Stephen Kavakovich with the uh, EMTs. We've got um, yes. Sean Conahan up in Canada, um, and he deals with uh, firemen and, and also EMTs, and then you with you know the police. So hopefully, yeah. we're looking at next year having some uh, military people on on the network as well. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, and I and I love it too. When I first um, got into recovery, I lost a lot. I lost pretty much everything, and I had to rebuild from the very beginning and uh, a new life in recovery. And I decided to start working in recovery and. I went back to school and got certified as a drug and alcohol counselor. And that's what led me to where I'm at right now, you know, on a podcast, trying to reach out to people. And the one thing about the culture of law enforcement or first responders is, especially law enforcement, that the trust is not there of, of other people. So um, if you come to their door and knock on their door and say, hey, I'm, I'm offering this, you know, support group uh, for first responders, a lot of times, if you don't have any kind of backing or if you're not vetted by somebody else, they probably won't give you um, much credit or, or time. Right. So um, my, my, my goal in life is to reach out and visit these places and make sure with me that I know that this is a safe, good, trusting environment. So if I send someone there or give them a referral, I know and I put my, my word on it that it's going to be a good place for sure. Absolutely. So Johnny, you spent a lot of your time um, running from people like Mike. <laughs> <laughs> really? What's your last name again? <laughs> oh, last name. Oh, last name. Uh, yes, I did. And uh, I, I mean, I was the low of the low on the totem pole with my drug addiction and alcoholism. Uh, I always like to remember that there was a time in my life that I walked the streets of Sarasota, Florida with a size nine blue flip-flop and a 10 and a half red one. And those were the only shoes I owned. Mm -hmm. So I lived by the land and nothing was sacred, but you know, that was, that was 34 years ago this month. So I, uh, I'm very grateful that my life has changed and I'm grateful now that I can give back and I've learned, you know, by applying a course in miracles principles to my 12 step principles i've learned that that you can do whatever you want you can you can change your life and become whatever you want to be if you're willing to work for it uh it doesn't it's not like okay i'm i'm going to meetings now i'm going to be a doctor you know uh you got to do you got to do the legwork and if you do there's great rewards in it so uh i'm just what I'm doing today, I'm, it makes me so happy, grateful. You know, people ask me all the time about the books, you know, aren't you proud? And my thing is always, no, I'm not proud. I'm grateful. Uh, 
because nothing I've done, nothing I've accomplished, that I, could I have accomplished without the people in the rooms of the 12 steps and people like yourself holding me up whenever I fell. Uh, not, it's not about what I've done, it's about what we've done. So exactly. I try to hold on to that with a firm grip. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, what I love is, you know, we, we have this community of the network and we all come from different places, but we're striving to do the same thing. And the uniqueness of everybody's message is what helps us, you know, reach more people. And, and I, the reason why I wanted to start doing these webcasts is I wanted people to really, you know, it's, it's fine to listen to audio. That's a wonderful medium. I will always do it. I love the intimacy of it. Um, but I wanted to really, I get a lot of emails from people asking about, you know, well, do you guys really know each other? Are you friends? You know what? And I want people to see, you know, the chemistry that we all have with each other, that we really are like our own little family and we do care about each other. We do know each other. And uh, it's, we can say that all day long, but now people can really see that. Yeah, that that's accurate. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Yeah. So one of the things I was asked to do this week for our fantastic PR um, company, Ryan um, Goldman, or yeah, Ryan Goldman is uh, is with that. He does one of the shows on the network too, which I always butcher. I think it's the outer limits of inner truth. I, I, I always want to say the inner limits of outer truth. Like I always get it wrong, but right. he does <laughs> he does that show and he also handles our PR. And he asked me to come up with twenty the the most a profound mental health, which includes addiction, um, uh, stories or happenings of 2018. And I was like, oh, geez, you know, how do I even come up with that list? I, I came up with five and um, one of them, uh, we won't, you know, we obviously we won't go into all those, but one of them that I came up with was, I felt like this year, and I want to put this to the two of you, I felt like this year with things like the movie A Star Is Born, that came out with Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga, which I mm -hmm. cried buckets through. I had some, you know, things with the movie that I didn't agree with, but um, being in the field, but it doesn't matter. Their platform is huge. They're talking about this. They can reach far more people than we can, whatever. I'm happy about it. But I thought it was a good message that finally it seems like we are, we are getting it as a society outside of mental health and addiction halls, that addiction is a lifelong issue, that you don't just go to rehab for 45 days and then you're done. Now, we all know this, you know, we know this, right? But society at large, I don't feel like really understood that no matter how much we talk about it as advocates, I don't feel like it really hit home. But when I see movies and other people that have a bigger platform talk about it, that's when I see, okay, good. Now maybe we'll, that'll have a trickle down effect. So uh, Michael, I wanted to see what you thought about that. Yeah, I, I think it's great. I think that the uh, social media and also the entertainment field, I saw the movie and I loved it. I, I thought it was great. Um, um, and I, I think it, it sent a message home that no matter what you have in life, um, if you suffer from addiction, if you suffer from alcoholism, whatever it is, and you don't get help, um, you're, you're living in inner, inner turmoil. And I know that recovery does work. And just like uh, Johnny was saying, you have to actually, you know, walk in that direction and have some patience and know that things are going to be good 
when you're helping yourself. So I, I, for me, addiction needs to be understood more. When I was uh, a police officer and um, I got involved in um, dependency on alcohol and then end up with, um, with opiates and losing everything, I really thought that recovery meetings, AA, 12-step, I, in my mind, uh, what I saw, and I didn't want to look at myself, was that it was some kind of cult that I didn't want to be a part of. <laughs> you know, it was in a church at nighttime. Uh, these people were out there uh, smoking cigarettes and drinking coffee. And the big thing that I knew that it was something that I didn't want because they were laughing. They were having all this fun, and I knew that they had to be drunk or high going to these uh, forced meetings. <laughs> and I really did think that, even in the, the deepest part, Part of my addiction, I thought I can just go to a rehab, which I, I attempted to do at the very end before um, I lost everything. And uh, I would be able to get fixed in a month and go back to work and no one wouldn't be the wiser. And it was my secret that I was going to keep the rest of my life. And I learned in recovery, uh, one, of the, one, of the, one of the terms is you know, you're as sick as your secrets. I know, I know, no one likes commercials, but seriously, folks, without the help from these organizations, we could not stay on the air. Please give a shout out to zencharts.com. If you're a mental health or addiction treatment center, you'll want to use their EHR. It's gorgeous. And they're just good people. And also mygenetics, M-Y-G-E-N-E-T-X.com, because knowing your genetic code empowers your mental health treatment. And lastly, copenotes.com. We love getting positive messages right to our phones every day from Johnny Crowder. He's the lead singer of Prison, a heavy metal band sharing their music about suicide prevention, addiction recovery, and mental health. See, that was painless. Support them as they support us. Back to the show. So when I got sober, I made sure that I researched I Googled, I asked questions about every single thing that I heard in recovery because I wanted to make sure I wasn't trying to dis disprove it. I wasn't trying to say I try to find something better. I wanted to understand 100% because the people that were in recovery and that were enjoying their lives with a lot less and they came from a lot of burnt down ash, you know, trees and, and, and houses and everything else they destroyed that you know, life has never been so good. And I wanted to reach that point. I wanted to make sure I didn't miss anything. So, um, you know, seeing it firsthand and the public seeing firsthand about the devastation, uh, the devastating effects of addiction, that it is a lifetime um, uh, journey. And it's a, but it's, but it's not, don't have to worry about the future. Just worry about the present, like right now. Worry about what you're doing. Are you eating? Are you sleeping? Are you you're doing good things for other people for, for no uh, return reward? Are you doing it um, selfishly, uh, selflessly, not selfishly? And, um, you know, a matter of fact, I interviewed um, a man uh, named Christian Heldman, um, October, uh, one of my podcasts, one of my first ones. Uh, we became pretty good friends. Uh, he was in uh, the rock and roll field all his life. He went on the show and talked about it very well known in uh, San Diego and recovery, been recovered for, in recovery for four years. And uh, he went out uh, last week, a week ago yesterday, and he OD'd and he died. Mm -hmm. And tonight I'm going to his um, memorial. 
So um, it affected a lot of lives. It, it still does. It's, it's the devastating effects of it. It can affect anybody at any time. And the reasons behind why it happened and why he um, um, ended up doing that and using that, no one knows but him at the time. So uh, it's sad. It's something we have to get through. But I, it's, it's, I think movies like, like that really bring home uh, what can happen and, and depression and alcoholism and, and addiction really does have a effect on society as a whole. And if we could just like loosen up a little bit and understand that it's not a moral failing, right. it's, it's something very, very different. And, and even addiction is just a symptom of something else that's going on inside of us. And it could stem from childhood. It could some, stem from, you know, some kind of circumstances that have happened through our life or critical incidents that we're not willing to look inside and reach for help and ask for you know, direction and have trust in someone else that, you know, we can look at ourselves, we can be emotional, you know, we can be vulnerable and trust other people because we're doing it for ourselves. Because I've worked in the field since 2013. And I know that if you put anything before your recovery, the chances are you're going to lose it. And you have to do it for yourself. And that even means I, you know, perceived success. So what we see with a lot of uh, what happens in terms of uh, celebrities is that they are popular, they are celebrities, they're getting movie after movie or whatever it is that they're a celebrity in. And that push from the industry for them to continue that climb in their career gets ahead of what you're talking about, Mike. And so right. they end up relapsing and then they get this backlash for how weak or you know, morally fail they, they are because they are back in rehab. And, and I think that's what I saw maybe shift a smidge. And Johnny, I want you to comment next, but a little, little bit and every little bit counts a smidge of a, a switch around the acceptance of um, that it's just part of the journey. It is not a failing on the journey, relapsing. So Johnny, what are your thoughts? on? And, and did, you know, did you notice that this year or is it just me? Did I notice which? That, that people's outside of our field of influence, which is heavily steeped in this, um, the general public seem to have an increased awareness around, um, or at least the influence of, of that and more people talking about it and so on talking about addiction in the way that it really is instead of the old way of, Oh my gosh, you know, they're back in rehab and just the tone of it as a yeah. failing. Minds are opening. People's yeah. minds are opening. Uh, and some of it I think is due to what's happening on television and movies. And at the same time, I, one of the things I would love to do, one of the things I'm working on actually is, getting a television show where people can see more of the truth of what goes on because even though it's helpful to the to us as a whole for people to be privy to what goes on within the rooms of the 12 steps mm -hmm. sometimes on tv and movies man they, they what they're showing is not what's going on in those rooms you yeah. know so i was watching one show that uh one of the main characters was an alcoholic going to AA and they made those meetings look like group therapy. 
And that, right. that's not what goes on. It's a sharing. It's not like, oh, you should do this or you should do that. And that's what makes it easier to share in one of those rooms is because uh, you, your sponsor may tell you you should do this or you should do that. But within those rooms, it's about sharing your strength, open experience. Mm -hmm. And one of the, one of the things that's you know, my focus today, because I'm also bipolar and have and lived with PTSD my whole life, I, 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 want, I talk to and direct a lot of what I do toward people that deal with all of that. Because a lot of times, and, and I've been 1984, December 3rd, 1984, I went to my first 12-step meeting, and a, a lot of people don't think they can talk about their mental health issues within those rooms because it's right. what we sometimes call an outside issue. And I'll bring that to the forefront. If I speak at a 12-step meeting, I'm Johnny, I'm an alcoholic, I'm an addict, and I am bipolar, and I take medication for it. And if you don't like that, call your sponsor. So, uh, because it's, if we have to shut down because of the fear of the stigmas, and I don't care what the stigma is, you know, if we if we shut down, then we start to even if we're still going out and being around people, we still isolate. Even if we're only isolating internally, I mean. I've, I've had times in my life when I've been in a room full of people and was pretty popular in the room and still felt like I was totally alone because I didn't feel like anybody understood. Well, you know, I'm bipolar. Or, well, you know, I'm an addict. But when I start opening up, what I find out and what is amazing to me, and it's not just within the rooms of the 12 steps, there are people that are, in my mind, essentially waiting for somebody to open the door with a conversation about, Hey, I'm bipolar. So they can say me too. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and once somebody does that, then it's like, it's amazing what happens. I, I, my, I did a show. I do several shows actually with a Dr. Eric Gentry and his specialty is PTSD. And he, I don't remember the percentage, but he talked about how much of the percentage of addicts, and alcoholics began their addiction with trying to self-medicate trauma. Mm -hmm. Yep. And it doesn't matter what kind of trauma. And one of the things he said in my very first show with him that I have repeated a million times since then is that when we are traumatized, especially as children, we are robbed of hope. And at that point, the world becomes an unsafe place to live. And what we end up doing is trying to deal with the fear that comes from that and the lack of hope that comes from that with drugs or alcohol or sex or work or whatever. Yeah. yeah food, any of it can, can be the deal. So I, I really try to focus on all of that. You know, I, I spoke one night at a, at a 12 step meeting and I shared about, you know, we say in every meeting that who, Who's here for their first meeting? And we talk about the the new guy's the most important guy in the room. Well, when I speak, what I say is that's not necessarily so for me. I'm just a guy that's here with 15 years that's going to go home tonight and contemplate suicide. I'm him for here every bit as much as I am the guy that just walked in the door. 
And I shared that one night at a meeting and this older gentleman come up to me with his veteran's hat on and he came up to me in tears. And he said, I'm that guy you're, you're talking about. No, he said, I'm that guy. And I said, what guy? He said, the one you were talking about. I said, and I'd already forgotten what I'd said. <laughs> so he said, I've been going to these meetings almost every day for 42 years. And I go home every night and think about how I can take myself out and it not look like suicide. Wow. And one of the things that I try to bring to the forefront is our 12 steps are not designed to deal with trauma. They're designed to deal with their addictions. So if you've got trauma that you're trying to deal with along with your addiction, you're probably going to need some outside help other than just the 12 steps. Would you agree, Michael? Oh, totally agreed. Totally agreed. It should be treated, you know, concurrently with the addiction or the, or whatever you're suffering. Uh, if you have a mental health issue, also PTSD, you know, bipolar. And a lot of times we self-medicate. Uh, some of us self-medicate because we don't feel like we ever fit in with the society. We never felt a whole person. Um, and then a lot of us suffer from different other things where, you know, we use drugs or alcohol to mask it or to get through it. And I, I would like to speak about, you know, The Star is Born. That movie was, a, I thought it was a very good uh, representation. I think Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper, they did an amazing job at it. And I know that Hollywood as a whole, they have the attention of, of the world. And right. if they would actually, you know, ask people that know about addiction, know about PTSD, know about failures, know about um, losing it all, and they actually use that advice and make something, they might not make as much money because it's so real. I, I, when I see cop shows out there, detective shows, I'm always commenting. And the biggest thing I comment on is when like a cop pulls his gun out and it clicks. Guns don't click and it upsets me so much because it, it but, but it's great to watch. You know, they go around the corner, it's like, Ch -ch -ch, and they go, Ch -ch -ch, don't move. Ch -ch -ch. I'm like, what is clicking? It's, it's, it's a, if, if your gun is, if your gun is clicking, There's something's wrong with your gun. But most people don't get it. It's a, don't it's go around the corner. If you hear clicking with your own gun, don't oh. go around that corner. There's oh. a problem. Exactly, exactly. No clicking. Now, now, a shotgun does make a specific sound. And if you hear that, you better you know get some cover for sure. But yeah, I think that um, Hollywood does have, I'm not saying an obligation, but I think people that are in that sense of power where they're able to reach out so many people, they can do a lot. And I think this movie has done a lot and is doing a lot. And I just give all the credit. They deserve, you know, definitely Academy Awards. And I don't know them as individual and I never met them, but I think they portrayed it very well where you might have stardom, you might have everything that the normal average person will never get and they wish they had, but they have this and they're still missing something. They're missing something and they're sad inside and they're not reaching out. Like Johnny said, they're not reaching out to get that added help. Yeah. They might be dealing with people know that they drink too much. People know that they're, they're losing everything. They're getting DUIs, but they don't dig down. And our judicial system isn't set up for that either. They say, okay, well you did this crime. I'm sorry, but you know, being under the influence or being dependent on drugs or alcohol, it's not an excuse for violation of the law. What happens after that? What happens after they get out of jail and they're detoxing and they're looking for drugs and that's all they know and there's no help available. 
I think that down the road, there should be more and more help. And I think it is helping. I mean, with the veterans, there's a lot of people reaching out and a lot of people that I work with and that are close to me and I consider friends, um, they are actually doing things and they're in recovery themselves. So they know they've been in the trenches like Johnny has. They've been down there and they were able to pick themselves back up. And part of the thing about recovery and 12-step meetings of any, any type, it's, it's a sense of community. It's getting with other people that share the same common purpose. And yeah, you might meet people that like, oh, this is what I'm dealing with too. I'm dealing with bipolar. I'm dealing with um, chronic depression or anxiety, or I go home every night and I contemplate suicide. Well, let's talk about that, you know, because once we find, you know, commonality in each other and then friendship, who knows what we can do. We can change the world one step at a time. Absolutely. I want to give a shout out to, because listen, they help fund this magnanimous effort that is on this network. The sign behind me, I should have flipped my camera. It says Zen charts and they're uh, one of the founders is, uh, is, you know, in recovery himself, Dan Callahan, such a stand-up human being written many books. Um, He, and they're, their electronic health record software program is in many, many treatment centers, but this is the coolest thing about them. So I love their t-shirts. They sent me a box of t-shirts. These things get, um, look at that. I like it. That is nice. <laughs> is that a oh, wow? Okay. Now I yeah, get it. Now you get it. <laughs> right. that, these things go like hotcakes at conferences, but, um, but yeah, they're longtime sponsors of the show. So, and they're steeped in the addiction and recovery field as well. Uh, they know it personally. So I wanted to give a shout out to them, but I know um, we've got to wrap it up for today, but I wanted to thank you both for coming on and uh, doing a behind the scenes with us and please join us again for these. You bet. Thanks, Thanks Kristen. Absolutely. Thanks. Nice to meet you, Michael. Hey, you bet. You too, man. I, I, it's really great. And I know we're going to, you know, probably talk really soon. Have each other on each other's shows. Yeah, I was thinking. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh, we we definitely have a lot of talk about them. I would definitely get a contact with you as soon as we're done with this. Okay, great. Thanks, listeners. All right. All right. Thank you, guys. You bet. (laughs) Thank you. Okay. See ya. Without good intentions, I heat up and act on my emotions. Thanks so much for listening to Mental Health News Radio. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and hundreds of other podcast apps. Or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. If you have a question or would like to be a guest, become a podcaster on our network, or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air, please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com. Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you. After all we promised, we'd be cordial.